tonight on... Wait, that was... That was... All right, all right. Terrell Granham, my co-host and my friend. How you doing, Terrell? There he is. There he is. How you doing? Uh, there you go. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. See, sometimes, you know, nowadays we're in the wilderness without Tom and Justin. This is like the um, unhinged era of Heavy heavy Hole Podcast, where I just... I I run it, you know, on, on the fly, like uh, the Incredible Hulk and the old TV show. Um, but this is the Heavy Hole Podcast. I am Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Uh, shout to Tom and Justin, our, our production team behind the scenes. Terrell, my loyal co-host, how are you, sir? How have you been? I'm doing good, man. Just you're painting pictures in my mind about Mad Max and you on the back of the uh, the giant wagon, mm. just streamlining the heavy hole through the dystopian yeah. desert. I'm like I'm see I'm <laughs> I'm like inside one of the war tanks, like l- making sure I listen to a Morpheus to send seven inch to to talk about it on a podcast. Like, mm. but I'm, I'm still out in the wilderness. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, sh- check out that Morpheus to send. People sleep on the seven inches sometimes that come out from some of these bands. But um, onto another thing. We're 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 getting into it tonight. Um. Uh, speaking of seven inches and missing things, man, uh, there's there's a lot going on with our guests tonight. I'll get into it in, in a minute, but um, Terrell, there's been a lot of crazy weather recently. I don't want to I don't want to blow up your spot too much, but you're someone who tends to get called into action when there's when disaster strikes uh, in terms of the weather, power getting knocked out, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, I mean sometimes that's when you know the shit really hits the fan. Like yeah. things have got to be really bad if they're calling me. Yeah, well, but, uh, a few yeah. years like wasn't a few years ago you were really involved in something. Oh yeah, well, so tropical storm Isaias Isaias, however you want to call it, mm. definitely decimated New Jersey and Long Island, and I was working what was it like fourteen, sixteen hour days for yeah. a couple weeks. Yeah, that's what I remember. And, that's what I remember. And it so happened to be around the first time I was going to be on the heavy hole. We actually had to reschedule because that's the right. storm had just hit. Okay, and I was like, "Yo, I, I don't even know if I can like stand to speak right now." <laughs> I like how you brought it back to heavy hole history. Um, that's good, and of course, people will can trace back your first appearance on the heavy hole podcast. Uh, yourself and Corey of Thetis um, uh, appeared as guests uh, back in the I call this the wilderness era. That was the Justin's uh, studio era. There was a whole <laughs> era where we were recording in Justin's kind of like art shed podcast studio he had a very funky you know now that's obviously been turned into his fishing lure manufacturing pro- processing plant uh, shout allegedly. out to fish good yeah but yeah. i mean i missed that era i mean that, there was more hockey and and one yeah uh, mentions. yeah so. and there was a lot more of like the blue grape merchandising shout outs and the, <laughs> the ebay finds you know and i I reflect on this sometimes. This might be why Justin doesn't appear on the podcast. I used to bust his balls about buying the old death jam shorts and whatever, you know, on, on eBay and all that sort of stuff and rocking them. But I, I see now it was an investment, uh, just like buying a fine vinyl. Um, and and I, I, I just, you know, maybe if they sold 4X uh typo negative jam shorts in 1993 out of the metal maniacs uh catalog i would be playing the same game but they you know they just didn't so i gotta apo- sleeping, bro. I, I want to apologize uh to justin maybe i'll just buy four of them and sew them together <laughs> why buy shorts if you can't sell it on discogs yeah yeah i i see that's that's how we got into the and one uh thing and you know it's it's already we'll, we'll save that for the end of the show i won't say and <laughs> and one again but um 
Uh, regardless, man, all these different eras of the podcast, man. You know, it's funny. You talked about how you were scheduled to be on the show. We actually recorded... Over the years, there's been a few occasions, and I'm not going to get into all of them, where we recorded an interview or recorded content with someone of some sort, and it didn't make it. Um, some of that we're going to end up putting on Patreon soon. Some of that is probably never it's never going to leave the vault. Um, we had a technical issue the very first time I recorded an... <coughs> oh, pardon me, getting over something. I'm good. Um, I'm fish good. The very first time we recorded an interview with John Lambert of Noise Dosage Media, we had a technical issue, and you guys never got to hear that content, unfortunately. And time flies. Here we are. I'm bringing you the interview now with John Lambert of Noise Dosage Media um, in a timely fashion as he has now completed his directorial debut of the Between Exaltation and Aggression and Underground Extreme Death Metal Documentary Film. For which, I should say at the top, again, we're going to be plugging this all night and talking about it more during the interview. There is a release event, um, a viewing party with special guests, Wednesday the 15th of March at the St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn, all ages, $20, all profits going to Interfaith Retreats, which provides food for people in need in New York City. Um, Myself... And John Lambert will, I will say, will be curating and maybe um, emceeing the event. But the real guest of honor is going to be John McKenty from Incantation, answering some questions and talking about his experiences a little bit. So that's going to be at St. Vitus the 15th of March. I don't even know if you knew about that. No, man, that's an awesome panel. It sounds like a great cause. Cancel whatever you got going on. I know you're a busy guy. I'm sorry, but no, and it's um, yeah, and it's, Dude, all, it's the of March. We're good. We're I'm good. I'm honored that the Heavy Hole podcast can attach itself to this, like one of those little fish on the bottom of a shark, and just kind of ride this, uh, you know, for for our own hype a little bit, man. Um, John Lambert gets to get all the credit and Noise Dosage Media, uh, for his documentary should get all this, and of course St. Vitus and John McKenty for for participating and everyone else. So we're gonna get into that now a little bit. Um, we're gonna get John Lambert on the horn. Music listening station here in the office. Um, I like it, man. At least, like I, I kind of sometimes I just run and gun with my podcast. So you're yeah. all prepared. You got your notebook and every day. <laughs> always, always, man. Um, this is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm here with none other than John Lambert of Noise Dosage Media, um, the director. I'll say you can correct me uh, of Between Exaltation and Aggression, an underground extreme death metal documentary film. Welcome to the podcast. And did I get that right, sir? You are a hundred percent correct. Every as you know, exaltation is the word that people always trip up on. They're like, Exul, uh. <laughs> it, it's a pretty death metal word. I feel like if you're listening to Cataclysm and those type of bands, you should, in Suffocation, you should know Exultation, you know? Yeah. One of the funniest things that I've been told is like, um, people, they saw just the title and they're like, a metal fan made this film. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, like we used to joke around. We had a band, you know, I'm an imaginary band when I was in high school where we would just add 
I O N to like any word, you know, like the every band would just be like, you know, uh, shot shotgun nation or whatever. And now that now I think it's kind of like like that comes to fruition with some bands. But um, enough about my past, John. I got you on here uh, to talk about this documentary film um, that's come out uh, and, and and an event that you're having. Um, can we talk about that also? Let's do it. Yeah. I'm yeah. Um, it. I'll plug it now. Wednesday, March fifteenth at the St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn. All ages twenty dollars. You're having uh, I guess what you'd call a release party. For this documentary with some special guests, all profits going to Interfaith Retreats, uh, which provides food for people in need in New York City. Is that all correct? 100%. Beautiful, man. So, And we're going to touch on that and talk about that a little bit later and talk about this documentary and the lengths you went to uh, capture all this footage and all that sort of thing. But before all that, John, um, as we always do, uh, I'm going to ask you, are you from... Uh, a particularly musical family, a creative family, or does filmmaking in some way uh, or journalism run in your family in any way? Ooh, um, I would say uh, my my father was the one guy that uh, definitely pushed me into to music when I was younger. He he looked at me one day. We were sitting at the kitchen table, and he's like, "You know what? I'm gonna get you guitar lessons." And like for many years, he uh, Took me every week a forty-five minute drive to uh, yeah get guitar lessons, but uh, yeah, musical family. Uh, he was into like ACDC, Metallica, all the classics. Um, so um, I kind of had a second father too. Uh, my my best friend Dale, uh, <laughs> his father was like the metal guy, and uh, he introduced me a lot of stuff like Anthrax. Um, and some like stuff like Bolt from a Valentine and stuff like that. Okay, and now I know you from uh, Rochester, New York. I, I've seen you at some local shows in that area. Are you originally from that area? Um, so I lived there for about a year and a half, but I live oh okay just just near there at Buffalo, Niagara Falls, New York. So okay. Not far away. And for our listeners, that's more like the can- the Canada side of New York as opposed to like the New York City side of New York. That's upstate pretty far uh, there. So upstate New York, not Canada side, U.S. side. No, I, I'm joking. I'm being facetious, man. I'm being <laughs> facetious. Um, obviously, obviously, man. Shout out to Canada. Shout out to upstate New York, man. I'm joking around. But yeah, um, but it, the, the the joke being that you guys could, you know, you're, you're clo- much closer to Canada than to New York City at that point. You're, you're up there yeah. at the top of the states. Um, how's the snow? What's the weather like right now, man? Oh, dude. Well, (laughs) let's put it this way, man. Uh, We just had like a huge, uh, like storm, like yeah, a month ago, man. Where like people couldn't, like they opened their front doors and snow was piling in at them. Um, Right now, there's no snow, but it's supposed to be coming back. Um, But let's put it this way. Anybody that wants to move to Buffalo, just be prepared to have a lot of fun with the snow. <laughs> Bring your sleds, yeah. man. Bring your shovel and your sled, man. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so you said forty-five minutes away for the music lesson. Are you? So were you kind of like from more of a rural area, like like out from, uh, uh, you know, an urban out from the city or whatever? Oh no, man. I am okay. uh, <laughs> kind of towards Niagara Falls. Is like right here, and then. Uh, a little bit upwards towards the lake, Lake Ontario. Uh, my neighbors are 
like literally cornfields. Like I live out in the middle of the sticks, so I gotta kind of drive to go to shows, guitar lessons, to do anything basically. So what was it like getting it? So, I mean, you obviously had like a foot in the door. You said, you know, your dad was kind of rock and roll and your friend's dad was like pretty much metal and, and other yeah, stuff. Yeah. So where did things take a turn for the extreme with you then in terms of metal? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, like I would say like going over there to my my friend's house. He basically, uh, the second he started showing me the covers of, like, you know, Black Label Society, Anthrax, um, Slipknot was kind of big. Um, I was kind of in the, into that phase um, for a long time, but uh, I don't know. Like, I kind of got into, like, Deathcore and stuff like that, but then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go straight to the the lowest low and go to death model <laughs> go to the common denominator yeah uh, yeah well no that's that I, I get it man especially you know as the generations go on like uh i think people from from older generations forget that deathcore was was the gateway and is the prominent thing and kind of like deathcore really came to what, what we call deathcore nowadays kind of like came to its height of popularity in like the late 2000s like 2009 10 i would say you know what i mean and and now it's yeah. a, a big huge thing so it's like you know i i get it man it's just because it wasn't there in the 90s doesn't mean you old guys wouldn't have liked it you know if, if you were a little bit younger you know what i mean so i i yeah um i'm trying to make deathcore less of a four-letter word on the podcast going forward this year yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah i mean and i forgot to mention like i uh there was a big thrash phase when I was younger, man. Like I, I was into bands like Havoc, yeah. um, you know, like Megadeth, stuff like that. Um, but I think everybody kind of started with the thrash somehow. I don't know. It's just very fun music, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. And it's thrash. Like thrash used to be the gateway to death metal back in the day. You know what I mean, man? It's so it's like it, it all it all makes sense, man. It's just a little somewhat more accessible the bigger bands because there's like technical thrash and different stuff. But um, so all right, so so not to get off track then though, I know part of your story was starting the Noise Dosage Media podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where is is that still? Do you still have that platform available? I don't know that you've necessarily been interviewing bands on that platform while you've been making this documentary, but is that all still available for people? Yeah, I mean that's kind of uh, that was a thing that kind of lit the fire under my ass during the pandemic, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got a uh, I got laid off, which is awesome. Mm. Uh, like right around when the pandemic hit. And I was like, man, like, the only thing that kind of keeps me together is music. And I think everybody would kind of agree sometimes, like, um, and I was always, like, a super shy person. Like, horrible at talking to people. Like, probably, like, the worst advocate or, like, person for a podcast. Mm. And um, I, I kind of just started just being like, all right, well... I'm going to just start a podcast and just see where it goes and talk to my friends. And uh, ever since then, I've been keeping at it, and I kind of developed into me wanting to do filmmaking. 
Okay, and I mean, you're being very humble because I remember when you first popped on the scene a few years ago with this podcast. You, you weren't just interviewing your friends, dude. You had some big names. You were coming oh, at yeah. You were cranking them out. And I mean, yeah, I, I, I remember at one point I was even looking at your list. I was like, yo, I sent an email to that guy. How'd you get it? You know what I mean? But it's all, it's yeah. all good, man. Um, I'm, I'm joking, but prior to that, prior to doing the Noise Dosage Media podcast, what was your involvement with the underground metal scene? Were you, would you just say, you know, you were kind of a, a music fan, a music supporter? Did you have uh, bands that you had played in prior to that or anything? Um, I was in a band for uh, four years. A band called uh, Vertigo Freeway. They were like a, <laughs> they were like a, a deathcore band, mm-hmm. uh, but it kind of fell apart due to like college and people like uh, just growing out of music and that kind of stuff. You know, getting regular jobs, going to do other things. Um, but yeah, I I'm still like huge in the underground scene. Like I love going to shows. Um, literally my favorite shows is when there's like 10 people in the crowd Mm. and bands that nobody knows. I've always been like that. Um, just, uh, checking out weird stuff. So would you say that doing the podcast, which you, which you said eventually then kind of turned you on to making this documentary, did that fill some sort of a void, uh, not not being able to, to get your band off the ground? The band kind of dissolves and goes different ways. Like you, I, I feel like sometimes, and I'm speaking for myself too in doing this podcast, because I've always been, uh, I've always thought of myself as a death metal vocalist, and I've always been the front man of bands. But this, as you get older, you can't tour as much. Your bandmates can't tour as much, even if you can, blah, blah, blah. So this kind of fills some of that part day to day in my, I guess, my creative or, you know, my, my dedication to death metal, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, I don't We had Chris Basile of Pyrexia was on recently, and he talked about very deeply about death metal sometimes filling a void in people's lives or, or taking the place of something in people's lives. So, I mean, I guess that's what I'm getting at with you, doing the podcast and doing this documentary you're not necessarily in a band. You're not playing guitar, but you, you're. It's like we all play a part on some level. You know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent. Like, um, you know, being in a band like is probably for all the people that have never been in a band. It's it's very, 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 very challenging. <laughs> um, I mean, like, and that's an understatement because, like, yeah. um. Uh, Something could go wrong at any any instant, you know, like you always got no money, you know, you're you're trying to push for something that's very hard. And I wanna say that I gave up on the dream, but I just found myself um just uh I don't even know how to explain it, man. Like I just kind of I kept doing it and kept doing it and I was like, This is a lot and it's stressing me out and Art should not be that. And the second I felt stressed, I was like, all right, I'm out, and I'm going to do something very low stress. <laughs> I'm going to be involved in some way, but I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it filled that void of, of me being a part of the music community but not being in a band. <laughs> 
And yeah, respectfully, a hundred percent, man. I feel that too. When you know when I when I'm doing this podcast, and I've never I've tried to promote. I've tried to book a few shows at local venues. It, it never went very well. I <laughs> I always lost money, and it was you know I'm that's not my game. Shout to the promoters out there who are doing their job. Um, they you know a lot of them do great work. Uh, you know, I've tried my hat at different things, and you know, we we all have different uh, roles to roles to play. You know what I mean? And right. you know, the idea, like I also say, the podcasts, what you're doing with the documentary, the social media, even even the you know, and I'm and I'm saying this seriously, the people who do the meme pages, the the, the better ones, I'll say anyway, the better curated ones. This is all taking the place maybe of what underground photocopied zines used to do. You know, back in right. the '90s, and that really is providing a cultural um i'm trying to think of the right word but these you know it, like if you like when you had just have the bands and the records and 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 you know that's one thing but the magazines and the zines were such a big essential part of it they they let off a lot of subcultural cues to people they they connected a lot of people before the internet was a big thing nowadays that we have the internet we have all this stuff you know i i feel like this is just the next evolution of the zine culture. Um, right. And maybe that's 100%. why this is my bias in underground metal, but I think underground metal compared to some other genres is still a little bit more pure in this day and age, even though it's been completely inter internetized and widespread and all that sort of thing. I think for that reason, because there's an existing culture of, um, you know, the, the zine culture, the tape trading culture, like we were doing all this sort of thing in metal because we were thirsty for it, you know, and then when the internet came along, I think there were some of those traditions you could pass down digitally to people, man. So I, you know, I, I, I'm not just trying to say this because I do a podcast, but what you're, what you're doing too and what you did with the documentary, I remember being a teenager and leafing, through, there was some zine, some people would get really crazy with zines and make 100, 200 page zines <laughs> that came out once or <laughs> twice a year. And so yeah. you'd get this and obviously you wouldn't read it all in one night, you know, you, you know, you'd sit there night after night or on the weekend when you had time or bring it to school or whatever. And like your documentary, your documentary is um, very near three hours long. There's a lot there. <laughs> two, yeah, two hours and 55 minutes. <laughs> there's, there's a lot there. But I enjoyed it for that because um, it wasn't just a, a quick thing. It wasn't just a couple of quick clips. You know, I, I, I sat there while I was drinking my coffee and I listened to it. And then last night before I went to bed, I spent a few minutes right. with it. And it's such... A, it makes you feel good about being part of the scene. You know, if you're, you know, I mean, nowadays we're out here more, the, you know, things have opened up. But if the last time I talked to you during the pandemic, I guess I should say, when things were closed in, um, we really found out how much we needed stuff like this as a scene and to, to be connected with the music. You know, I was watching, you have a lot of great clips uh, in the in the documentary of people going through merch tables at Maryland Death yeah, Fest. Yeah, Maryland Death Fest. That was a party, man. I got to say, I enjoyed the footage of people going through merch tables more than I think anything else. Um, yes, And yes. It, it made, it kind of, I, I compared it to this, actually. I wrote it down. Um, it's silly, but I felt like, you ever see that, uh, there's like there's like a video that's going around. It's been memed of like, uh, it's like a pit bull watching TV and it gets all excited because there's like a, you know, there's something happened like, like it's worried for the dog on the TV and it's more like I was watching these people go through the merch and listening to like Dan Lilker over, you know, dubbed talking about death metal. And I was like, I want to be at a show. I'm ex like, I felt excited. Like I was at a show just watching this. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah. So, so that, 
that's what I'm getting at. I'm kind of gushing here, but it's just something people can spend a lot of time with. And maybe for, also for people who grew up in areas like you're describing where you're from, where shows aren't always available. Um, there aren't always there isn't always a record store around the corner. I think this plays an important role because it's it's something for people to identify with culturally for the underground metal scene. So I'll I'll, st- I'll get off my soapbox and my rant now, and I'll kind of let you take over. I, w- I want maybe if you wouldn't mind, you already talked about doing your podcast where you interviewed a lot of bands, um, a lot of bigger artists. Take us through the light bulb over your head moment where you say I got to make this into a documentary. <laughs> Whew. Okay. Um, well, first off, thank you for your <laughs> your uh, uh, positive comments. I, I sometimes I always I don't know when I released it. I was like, "Fuck, dude!" <laughs> I really put two hours and fifty five minutes into this, but it was all love, man. Like I I watched that footage over and over and again, and I was like, "Man, I can't scrap this, man. I can't I can't scrap it." Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, um. So you brought up uh, how I got into it. Um, so when I was at college trying to be an electrician, I was in a band too at the time. And uh, I was like, you know, man, like I always liked photography. You know, like I just always dug it. Like as a band, like after the show, somebody sends you this really awesome picture of yourself jamming out and you're like wow like that was me like people showed up to support this thing um why well, and, and, and if you stay if you stick around in the band it turns into wow i'm going bold <laughs> yeah 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 exactly man and uh another another spot where my dad just definitely uh did me good. I, I said to him, like, listen, I'm broke. I'm going to college, but I really want to try out photography. Like, I just really want to do it. And he, he's like, dude, I got you. He's like, send me, send me a camera you want. And we're by all means not rich in any way. But he got me like a $300 camera. He had it shipped to my college. And the next weekend I was fucking shooting, shooting a show. Like, doing pictures for the first time. Um, but, uh, that slowly, slowly grew into me wanting to do videography because, um, I don't know, you do the same thing over and over again and then you're just like, all right, what else is there? Um, but, uh, yeah, documentaries were always like a cool thing where, uh, I'd watch them and I'd be like, oh, these are very informative, educational. Anybody can make these, you know, anybody can pick up a camera and just say I'm going to I'm going to tell a story, you know what I mean? Um and that's kind of where where I got the idea, man, uh, when my dad hooked me up with a camera. <laughs> okay, and do I have it right <clears throat> from the um the description you have that it started with you taking a road trip to see Sanguisugabog and 200 stab wounds? Yeah, 200 stab wounds, first show ever, first interview like in person ever uh it's quite funny <laughs> like uh <coughs> yeah me and my friend victor we went on a road trip uh this was at a time when sango sugabag was like slowly going up um and i don't know what i was doing at the time i just said to my friend let's go see see, see sango sugabag he's like all right let's do it so literally 
on the way up there, we're just shooting ideas back and forth and like pulled out that like uh phone note page and just started jotting down questions. And uh like some of the footage we scrapped, but some of it we kept and it's gonna be released on the next one. So um Okay, so you guys are planning yeah. an, planning another one already. Yeah, uh <laughs> not not to like uh well whatever. It's it's like Okay, all right. Ninety percent done. Um, I'm just waiting for artwork. Okay. Uh, but I have, yeah, that that's kind of almost done. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, Sanguisugabog and Two Hundred Stab Wounds sound like fairly approachable underground bands. You know, I met the Sanguisugabog guys. Shout to them. Have you had any situations where it was harder? To get <laughs> to get in, in, to get in, involved with with artists or where you where you were shut down by management or anything like that. Yeah, uh, blood incantation. <laughs> all right, all right. All yeah, right. Um, he told me to basically get away from him. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, Paul. I I, re I I walked up to him at Metal and Beer Fest and he told me to get away from him. Oh no! All right, all right. You... Well, anyway, yeah. All yeah, right. I love the I love the music and the band, uh, but yeah, it definitely pissed me off because I was like, at least be a little bit nice about it. Yeah, uh, past guest of the show, I do I do you know keep in touch here and there. Um, I never always liked the guy myself. It, it, that's yeah, I don't like to hear that. I will relate this though on the topic quickly before we we, we keep it pushing. Um, there, I know certain artists who are on the road a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it, obviously that can fray your patience uh, with things. And also sometimes it shows, like you never, the, 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 the big point I'm getting around to in a roundabout way is you never know what people are going through or what's been on their mind yeah. there that day or how much they're sacrificing um, to, to, to be at a certain event or whatever, man. So all I'll say is something like that, don't take it personal. Oh um, no, no! Don't I take just, it personal. It's just one of those things, man. If people ask me that question, I'm gonna say it, say it how yeah. it was because I appreciate I, you. I appreciate your candor, man. We and uh, you know we, we'll give uh, if if they want to come on and and, and rebuttal, <laughs> um, they're they're more than welcome to, man. I try to just give an open platform here, and any past guest of the show is always welcome to come back and uh, share their thoughts or whatever. The voicemail numbers were in the description wherever you're listening this to, man. But um, interesting though, I appreciate that. Now. Going going forward, you were, I mean, because you were, you got, who, who was that? Was that Trey from Dying Fetus? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Trey from Dying Fetus. I, I, I did meet him once, man. Nice guy. Um, Don of the Dead, infamous from Nunslaughter. Um, yep. uh, Matt Harvey, that guy seems like a character. I really got to get him oh, on here if man. I can. Yo, I love everybody in, in the documentary. A lot of, yeah, they were a lot of cool people. Awesome, man. <laughs> so every one of them are awesome but matt in specific is a walking dictionary wikipedia uh bible of metal man mm -hmm. <laughs> and he seems real funny dude he i gotta i gotta he, try to see if he'll give me a little time on here someday man um so i mean but those those guys were all just no problem huh they were they were willing to kick it to you oh yeah man uh a lot of them i talked to before on my podcast yeah and, yeah um, yeah yeah I kind of already had like a little bit of a, a connection there, but um, yeah, man, I I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Like, 
It was awesome. But like, I'll give you a I'll give you a prime example. Got it. Not not to cut you off. No, but, no, go ahead. Um, so Trey from Creeping Death, man, I I love that band. I freaking love Creeping Death, and um. I say to him, I'm like, hey, you know, the spot that we usually film, uh, we got to walk like 15 minutes from the venue you're playing to the other spot. And he's like, yeah, man, let's do it. And we literally like took like a half hour walk together and we just shot the shit and hung out. And the same thing with the full of how guys, man, like security came in the parking garage and like we they made sure that they made it work. Like, yeah. Full of Hell, that's another band that they're, like, down-to-earth as hell. Like, super loyal, no ego, just, like, very nice people. That was my experience. It's been several years. Shout to those guys if they should happen to listen one day. But um, I would love to talk to some of them on this podcast eventually, too, man. I, I had the experience when I was in a ba- an old band. I was in toured with them uh, a few years ago, man. Re- yeah, really good guys. I-, I had a really good experience meeting those guys and getting to play a few shows with them. And um, so, Barney Greenway, though. I mean, that's <laughs> that. Like, uh, you know, look, all these names are people that I should I should probably have reached out to already. Um, you know, for for this podcast, but sometimes I feel like people like this is something that I guess you don't you just go for it. There's certain people where I'm like, no, nah, he's too big. He probably gets a million requests for an interview a day. Da da da. Nah, you man. This guy nah, shoots your man. shot. Yeah. Nah, man. I'll tell you the shot I I had <laughs> with Barney. So I did a podcast with uh with with Barney like during the pandemic. Awesome, great guy, great everything. But I reached out said somebody i don't even remember who it was and i was like hey i want to film this documentary i want to have barney a part of it and i got like billions of no's like i was like come on man let's make it happen come on let's let's try let's try and and it was no and i was down and out because i was like barney is such a cool guy so that day i hate god uh i talked to mike outside of the show Mm -hmm. outside the venue he's also in the documentary yeah yeah and Barney walks by with his bag of uh, vegan or vegetarian food, like going to his bus. And I said, Barney, man, we talked during the pandemic. I got all these no's from your management about being a part of this documentary. Come on, man. Just just chill with me for like 20 minutes. He goes, let me eat. I'll be right back out. Awesome. And we did it. Awesome, man. I... I... <laughs> You know, I've always kind of just gotten this sense like Napalm Death or at least Barney Greenway is kind of over the bullshit as big as they are and as originators as they are, man. That's cool to hear that, yeah. man. Um, wow. So did you, I mean, you said you traveled for that first one for the Sanguasugabak 200 Stab Wound show. Did you make a habit of making road trips uh, out of state and so forth? Or, or did or did you try to pick when they were like, when, when these tours were coming through your area? So the funny thing about this documentary is... um. So the pandemic ha- happened, man. Pandemic happened, blew a hole in the metal in the metal bands to play shows. Um, so I picked not on purpose. I picked like the purpose, uh, the perfect time to do a documentary because all these bands are coming through Buffalo, and I made connections with them through my podcast. Um, and I just reached back out. I was like, "Hey, you're playing a show in Buffalo." I'm filming a documentary, 
And it just worked out because literally like every weekend for like a couple months, it was just like napalm death, exhumed, uh, you know, like sanguisuga bug. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was just nonstop opportunities to do it. Um, and it wasn't even on purpose for me to like go for it. It just happened. And which Maryland Death Fest did you guys film at? The last one. It was just, yeah, it was just me. The most recent uh, one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Wow, man. Um, And, I mean, so pushing ahead on this thing, man, you know, I was telling you before, um, it was inspiring uh, in a, while, a lot of ways, listening to all these people talk about stories I could relate to, stories that were different from mine about getting into this music and what it means to them. Having lived this experience now where you've captured so much of this, heard so many people's stories, like talk a little bit about what the underground scene means. I want to give you your um, uh, moment, you know, like 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 the, all the people in your documentary. Talk a little bit about the underground scene and um, what you witnessed, uh, you know, and what you have witnessed at all these shows that has captivated you so much to do this. What what was so worth documenting to you? Ooh, uh, okay, so. <laughs> our, our, me and Victor's little car ride, um, you know, we got like a rough idea, but you know, the biggest thing that I wanted to do by the end of it was, um, I wanted to give the metal community some positivity, which sounds like kind of like cheesy, but like, I'll be honest with you, COVID like destroyed people's mental health and like, um, you know, some documentaries, they just kind of, like, dig deep into the negative shit. And I was like, you know, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to hear, um, I want to hear people be excited, like, happy that they're doing what they do. And I would say the biggest thing that the documentary did for me was, uh, it gave me a huge opportunity to, like, do something that I probably would have never thought of. But it was all due to the people in the beginning with my podcast, you know what I mean? Just saying yes, like a simple yes of saying, hi, I want to talk to you, you know what I mean? Um, if that answers your question. <laughs> it it does. And I think that speaks to uh, what I was saying before about these type of media um, expanding on what the zines uh, did and, and still do. It gives people a sense of culture and community when, because you know, uh, you, even the people who live in Brooklyn who can go to shows three or four times a week, you're not always at a show, you're not always at rehearsal with your band, and there are people who live in rural areas or communities where there's not a lot of metalheads, there's not a lot of touring bands that come through and that sort of thing. Like I know me, I'm in like half a dozen bands. I do a podcast once a week where I interview people. <laughs> um, my whole life is metal, and I still go to work with my coworkers. My, you know, I hang out with family members, and and I I still feel alienated and outcast. Sometimes, um, you know, just for being this kind of death metal guy with, with a rack full of CDs at home and that sort of thing. So we, I think we do need to touch base with the metal scene regularly uh, and commune yeah. with the metal scene regularly. And um, that might sound, you know, dramatic or whatever, but, but you're right. The pandemic kind of taught us that when all these shows shut down and everything was, you know, I think we all kind of learned that the hard way. Some of us, you know, some people took it better than others. The depressive black metal people probably loved it and just kept, you know, <laughs> shut up in the attic with the CDs. Shout to them. But, um, you know, I think we all learned a little bit maybe, or at least I did. I'll speak just for myself about um, what the community really means to you. And when you watch your doc, 
documentary and you listen, especially um, the in the begin, I'll say the first hour, um, the first or, or you know roughly or the the first section, so where people are just kind of pontificating about what the music means to them and getting into it and how it's so crazy that you do this with no money and the hardships of the road, but you love it and all, all these tried and true. Um, things that we know about the scene and that that we know people feel, but to hear it all reflected by all these different artists, and especially you said 200 Stab Wounds, you were at their first show, and then you also have Barney Greenway, so you really run the gamut, you know, of um the the old and the new, and there's just such a common thread there, man, and such a a feeling of community. It reminded me of younger days, uh, you know, not to not to date myself or make me sound older than I am, but I'm 40. I've been in this stuff a long time. It reminds me of being 20. And being excited about metal fests and meeting friends, you know, for the first time at shows that I've now known for 15, 20 years and that sort of thing, man. It's It kind of reminds you why you do it when you get burnt out on it. And you can get burnt out on this stuff if you really put your heart into it, you know? Oh, yeah. And another thing I wanted to mention, too, like, um, one of the coolest things that the documentary has given me is, like, uh, for example... Uh, Today I was just on YouTube and I was just seeing how it's doing and uh, this kid commented, I think he was like 12 or 14 or whatever, the exact candidate, the exact person that I wanted to reach, he commented, he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just getting into this extreme metal stuff and I just want to say thank you so much for introducing me to all of these awesome bands. Like, this is a total rabbit hole and I'm excited that you led me here. And I was like... Yes, dude. Yes, because that kid probably was exactly like me, but they just didn't have this like thing that was like check it out. Like this is this is what it's all about, you know? Exactly. You know, getting back to my point, you know, taking the place of what the the zine culture was doing or the public access television shows too back yeah. in the day, man. You know, it's it's people might say that we have it easy nowadays, but you know, you're just taking advantage of the technology at hand, man. You know, why wouldn't you put this YouTube, uh, do this documentary out there on YouTube? Speaking of which, I did watch it on your YouTube channel. Are there other platforms people can watch this on? Or any plans for a DVD uh, release or anything like that? So the next one's going to be on DVD. Okay. Um, the first one, I'm trying to get it put on like Tubi and stuff like that, but I have to... Um, literally, the only thing I have to do is just get the captions done and send an email um and then it's gonna get like distributed on like other platforms but um right now it's just on youtube mm -hmm. but the next one is gonna be a lot more like merchandise friendly let's put it that way <laughs> i gotta cash in man because the because these yeah well this stuff doesn't pay for itself man you're not getting into shows for free just for making a documentary right Oh, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things, man. Like, if you don't love it, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, I, I, I could, I could stop what I'm doing right now and just say, fuck it, I'm going to be a lawyer. But that ain't me, man. Money has never been a uh, objective of mine. Like, just doing what I love. That's what I'm trying to do. I, I secretly fantasize sometimes about just, uh quitting all my bands in the podcast and it'll be like the ending sequence of the incredible hulk where he's just walking the highway <laughs> but that that one i'm that it's a, it's it's a daydream every once in a while it's not gonna happen i'm a, i'm joking but um uh, so 
we, we've talked a lot about this. Uh, people can check it out on YouTube now. The, I'm very excited for the next one. I'm curious to see uh, who. I don't know. Do you want to talk a little bit about who's coming up in that, or do you want to leave that for the future? We could we could do whatever we want, man. I'm I'm all for it. All right. So f- this is one of my favorite podcasts. So if it's going to get released <laughs> anywhere, we're doing it here. Oh, I appreciate it, man. So just to just to wet people's thirst a little bit for the next one, because there are people I'm sure who are tuning in just because they they're fans of the fr- the, the the first one and all that sort of thing what do you have planned for this this next edition oh okay well the next the next edition <laughs> um let's put it this way mutilatred's in it great and great you know band. that band's pretty good. great but we actually uh, uh they they played with afterbirth in rochester the last time i saw you in person yeah yeah great band yeah i got it yeah i gotta talk to them um what do i have plans for well let me put it this way. I mean, I guess it's a a, a little bit more experienced uh, take on a documentary. You know, I was just dabbling in videography with the first one, so there's been a lot of learning and hurdles. Um, but now I have people that are going to support. Like, I have somebody helping me edit. I have uh, somebody uh, doing drawings and stuff now. Um, <laughs> I. I guess it's going to be a a better version of the first one. And I don't want to put down the first one, but it's just a little bit more experienced. Well, just like a band, it's your uh, second album, you know? Second album's always a little bit more polished, maybe, more elaborate. Yeah. Than the uh, than the first, um, you know, it's, and shout to uh, Tom and Justin behind the scenes here at my podcast, editing and providing the art. It's great when you have a team, isn't it, man? Oh, dude, like, you know, in the beginning of all of this, like, uh, like anything with art, you know, I've learned, like, just, just let, let your fucking ego go and just get a team, man. Yeah. Because if you don't have a team, man, it, you're going to stress yourself out for no reason. Mm. Um, so now I have like, uh, uh, Brandon Jones, which is my like one of my favorite artists and then matt he's one of my favorite artists that helped me out um I've, like i said i have somebody editing and yeah i got a team now thank god <laughs> <laughs> awesome man and um i mean i imagine no because it's kind of metamorphed into this but do you still do a regular podcast do you have plans to, to to keep a podcast going or launch a new one or um you know like the the podcast right now is like um it's it's a really funny thing man because like i <laughs> i just talked to max moore the other day he's a video director he does like very 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 talented and good music videos um i just talked to a guy that's a hitchhiker the other day like last week uh it, it's one of those things where like I'm kind of branching out into like weird avenues with my podcast where it's not just metal musicians. (laughs) That's fun. That's fun, man. I have a few, I have a handful of people that I've over the years, I've debated breaking the, the, the musician or music scene related only guest rule for, but I I know it's tempting sometimes because there's certain people that you just want to interview, even though there's nothing about metal on it, you know? Dude, I, I watched a film about this guy that like, 
jumped on trains for like a couple of years yeah. and made this great film. And I was like, I just want to talk to this guy. Like, I don't give a shit. He doesn't fit my mold. Like, oh, who cares, man? Yeah. Well, and it was a great conversation. I, I believe it or not, I have an uncle, not by blood, a close friend of the family. He's a little bit older, but he, he's kind of like a old school, you know, Italian street guy from Queens. Um, he's got, you know, he's just got some hustler stories and things like that, man. <laughs> I, I have a standing, I've never paid for an interview, um, but I have a standing cash offer to that, to that guy. If he, but he, he'll never do it too. Cause he, he's, he's got, he, you know, no, it's like an old school street thing. He, you know, he, 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 he would never do this. He would equate it to like uh snitching or something, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. But it's like a magician telling their telling their telling secrets. Their yeah, secrets. I, I don't know, man. But yeah, it's it, the podcast thing is funny like that because what you know you do. I eventually you know I start thinking about you know invite uh, interviewing regular people from just from my daily life or who I see around town or you know like you said reaching out to different people. Maybe one day we'll start we'll start a regular hole. We'll just start a you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's one of those things, man. Podcasts give you that opportunity, man, and. I don't know if you're into like video games or reading books or you know, like comics, like the internet is so huge that I think that people should take advantage of it. You know yeah. what I mean? In a good way. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could be doom scrolling on social media or you could re be reaching out to people that you love and try to talk to them, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's true, man. Um, well, you know, I think that, that kind of brings us back to this underground death metal thing man you know there's a lot worse things people could be doing on the internet than posting memes of uh slam gore grind bands you know what i mean it's, it's <laughs> you gotta pick your pick your battles you know what i mean man um so john i let's now we said we were going to talk about it let's wind it back and hype it up a little bit because we're going to be talking about upcoming shows and stuff later on in the show um uh, in the in the outro, but uh, an upcoming event, we'll say. I don't know if this is technically a show, but it's the release party for this documentary we've been talking about this whole time. Wednesday, March 15th at the St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn. All ages, $20, with all profits being uh, donated to Interfaith Retreats, which provides food for the needy in New York City. How'd you, how'd you come up with the idea for that charity in particular? Um, so it's... It's a kind of funny story, man. So the first time I went to New York, which is like three months ago, uh, I was broke. And, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I want to go. I don't want to be spending 200 bucks on some fancy hotel. I want to go to a hostel. And um, so Interfaith Retreats was a really cool thing because um, at the time I didn't know anything or I don't know, like homelessness was not a, a very prevalent thing in my life, man, because I, my neighbors were cornfields, dude, still are. And you, and you said, and, you, um, just, just to, to back up the point you made at the top, that was the first time you had ever been to New York City, even yes. though you're from the state of New York, but the one Buffalo's like eight hours away, right? I mean, it's crazy. Well, well, it's one of those things where like, I didn't have the courage to take on New York City. <laughs> I still, I still don't. <laughs> like a current, uh, a country bumpkin, man. Yeah. Like, uh, but anyway, so so I I got this hostel, and um, you know, at the time I had some free time, and I was like, you know, like, wait a second, this hostel not only, um, not only am I paying money to stay here, all of the money is going to food for the homeless. And you know, sometimes you question like, oh, where's my money going? 
but I had like real world. This is where my money went. Um, the next day I stayed there. We, I went to like a kitchen. I made the food. It was like rice, um, and like pastries and stuff like that. We got in like this minivan and went to freaking uh, right down the street in New York City and set up a table, put the food up, and just people just started wandering next to us, man. And one of the most impactful things that have happened to me up to this point was a dude. He walked up to me. He said, "Same." He looked like the same age as me. He had this like, um, uh, no, I was a different person. Anyway, he walked up to me. Same age as me, he looked at me and said, dude, I haven't eaten six days. Because I asked him, like, how hungry are you? He's like, I haven't eaten six days. And I was like, what the fuck, man? All of my money went to all these people. Like, we we fed, like, hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. Like, for, like, I think it was, like, I don't know, a hundred bucks. Um, But, yeah. I just thought to myself, my documentary is not going to be one of those things where I'm going to take the money. Like, fuck that. Like, the metal community built that thing. I was just telling the story. Um, so, yes, all the money's going towards uh, feeding the homeless in New York City. Okay. And I initially, I, I like the story. Initially, when I read that, I said to myself, this is smart because if you do a release party, um, you know, it's not necessarily your hometown, but you're benefiting the local community that you're visiting and that you're holding your event in. So that, like that, that's, well, yeah. that, you're, yeah. you know, it's, it's just creating, it's, it's something I think people should, should grasp and maybe apply, you know, themselves, uh, you know, where they go, if they can, just to, that idea of, if you're going into, to a, a community or an area, that's not your own to hold an event, to perform, to try to spread some goodwill of your own. Um, and, and that sort of thing, man. Um, I, I just really appreciated that, you know, that when, when I realized it and, um, you know, just, just, just the idea that you're from eight hours away and, and that sort of thing. So, but moving past that, now that we established that, um, what's, what is this night going to consist of, um, that, that you can share with the listeners? So, I mean, not only are we going to play the film, but, uh, I'm having two special guests, which is yourself. And, <laughs> and, uh, I didn't know if you wanted. John, I didn't know if you wanted to spill the beans. No, nah, yeah. not yourself, because I'm a big fan of what you do, everything you do. And on top of that, uh, John McKenty from Incantation wow. is going to be there um, for something special too. Um, I'll spill the beans too. I'm working on a film for Incantation. That's my next project. Mm. Uh, I'm spending. About two weeks with John, just hanging out with him, making a film about incantation. So okay. we're going to kind of announce that and ask him a few questions, ask you a few questions. And just in general, it's going to be like a a release of the film and just like a like a kind of like a podcast. <laughs> like yeah, a, a live podcast. Yeah. Yeah, like a like a table uh, conversation. You know what I mean? I, I even if I wasn't involved, I love it. Uh, thank you for the compliment. I'm honored to be in such uh, esteemed company. Obviously, I've been an Incantation fan since I was a, a wee lad uh, back in the day, and I still hold that band in high esteem. Um, 
that's I, I, you know I'm looking forward to it. There's not much more to say beyond that, man. And that's really exciting. I would love to watch because just the same way we get a glimpse into these musicians and artists and whoever through the podcast and through your documentary to actually the way they follow around. Uh, you know, I don't know, politicians and actors and musicians for some of these documentaries out there. The idea that we could do that with an underground death metal celebrity to us um, is really interesting and and exciting. One of the reasons I first was inspired to do the podcast was I saw how in-depth podcasters in the hip-hop community would go with rappers. Vlad TV, uh, for instance, was one of my, it still is one of my favorite YouTube channels. And I said, we, you know, I wish there were more platforms for underground death metal where people were doing the research and digging up some of the more legendary classic artists that aren't in the limelight now, but have a story to tell and so on and so forth, so forth, man. So, um, that's, that's really exciting, man. Uh, so March 15th at St. Vitus, what, uh, what time? Probably usual. All right, I, I, <laughs> I, think I caught you on that one. Uh, that I, I'm, uh, I think at seven p.m. I'd have to. That's look. like the usual. I mean, when you see a show or something, you assume seven p.m. is like the the unspoken rule of of starting times. But people can go to the St. Vitus website uh, and look all that up. And where can people follow you on social media uh, for any news or uh, anything about this documentary? Uh, if you want to find anything I'm doing, go to links. Link tree slash noise dosage media. That's my link. Fair enough, man. And uh, like you just said, March 15th at the St. Vitus Bar. Um, John McKenty from Incantation. That's exciting. Um, I'm flattered to just be part of the event in any way. Heavy whole podcast listeners, uh, please come out and support. Uh, it's for a good cause, too, which which I like. Um Beyond that, I'll give you the opportunity to plug and promote anything else that's going on or anything we failed to bring up. But I want to transition now into the point of the podcast where I ask you to recommend stuff for the listeners. It's, it's usually the most fun part, man. Just something old and something new, Ooh. metal or otherwise, demo, an album, EP, just anything, anything you want to go into right now. Something a little bit from back in the day and a little bit more recently. No hard rules. All right. So I'm looking at my, like... Uh... <laughs> I'm looking at my desk full of stickers, and the few that come to mind is uh, Sulaco. That's from Rochester. They're like great band. Yeah. Um, we interviewed Eric Burke a while back. I was going to say Eric yeah. Burke is like one of the coolest human beings. Really ever. cool guy, man. Um, we we interviewed him. Oh, he's got a um, got a loose energy, man. Loose guy, man. Really. <laughs> yeah, man. He he he. I love him, man, because he just. Oh man, he's just so relaxed. Yeah. But when he gets on stage, he he gives it his yeah. all. Cool know? guy, man. Definitely, and I, like very humble. Yeah, real, real good, good people up there. Uh, Eric Burke, man. All right, so Salako, man. You got a specific release? Uh, phew. literally their newest one is a banger. Um, but I got two more. I got Ruin and Inoculation. Okay. Yeah, we um. Rune, R-U-I-N, Rune from California. Great yes. band. We had uh, Mike. Um, yes. Yeah, we had, yeah a, while, <laughs> a while back. That was an interesting interview. That was a real... Oh, he's great. Yeah, great guy, re- like real live, kind of like like very honest, live wire kind of guy. He's lived an interesting life, and um, he was very candid about the, the history of the band, which is kind of mysterious and a little dark. Yeah, yeah, man. I, yeah, I, totally. I got to say, when I when I first 
happened upon that band on social media long before the interview ever took place, and I read the bio. I said, "Someone's got to be making this up, man." You know what I mean? Because it's it's a, it's it, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And but you know, but lo and behold, I was proved wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't I'm trying to remember because I had a conversation with him too. I thought somebody went into prison. They started writing music there or something I, like I that. I would have to go back, but I know that the the original incarnation of the band, he's the only one who kind of, I guess, made it out of those troubled times. There was someone who was in a psychiatric care for a long time. Someone who was in prison. Yeah, it, it, I, I and um, the late eighties and early nineties was just a different time. Man, it I I met oh metal God, and underground dude. music was it was more dangerous back then. I'm not saying there's not dangerous bands now, but it was a little wild back then, man. And I I, I um I'm in awe of it too cuz not like I was in any bands doing any crazy stuff in the basement uh back then either. But um yeah, Rune is a wild band, man. Uh and um you said Inoculation. Um Inoculation. They yeah. are another very um nice set of individuals that are super talented they're let's put it this way man like i the first documentary film there was so much content uh i just couldn't get them in and i saw them as of recently and i felt bad because i was like fuck man i really wish i could have squeezed them in and they didn't even care man they're like yeah man just Put us in the next one, whatever. <laughs> like, who cares? And, like, on top of that, like, their music is so, like, um, submersive, mm. you know? And something new to the technical death metal, you know? Yeah, really interesting band. I We had them on a while back. Um, I, I, I'm, the, the name of the uh, front man escapes me now, the guitarist, singer, but um, we I interviewed him a while back on the show. Uh, the apologies to him, man. I got to look that up. I, I feel like it might be Chuck. I don't know. but <laughs> No, it's not Chuck. <laughs> and I'm being silent here because I should know this, too. All right. That's like, all you got to look up. We deal uh, with a lot of You know what? We deal ba- with a lot of people. We're allowed, all right? And I'm 40, all right? So I'm allowed to forget shit. Um, uh, but no, shout to, listen to Inoculation all day, everybody. Catch them on tour. They're, they're doing big things. I see their name on flyers here and there and all that sort of thing, man. Um, oh, yeah. I have the same problem with booking people for the podcast, man. I mean, I have a, a we do one a week. I couldn't we couldn't really put out more than one a week just with our schedules and stuff like that. And I have a list a mile long of people who I should have interviewed already. Friends, people I look up to, people who I've worked with who probably are sitting at home going, "Yo, why hasn't Will interviewed me yet? I hooked him up that time. <laughs> I gave his band a show." Come on, yeah, Will. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad, man, cuz you know how it is. Like you kind of want to involve everyone and you you know, you 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 feel bad when there's not room or time or energy enough to include someone yet, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's difficult. No, you know? it's, I'm glad that it, there's like a, a mutual a, agreement yeah. on that because there's some points where I'm like, I like walk into my local venue and like, somebody's like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Why did you, why did you get me on the show? And I'm like, ah, yeah. I don't know. I'm busy as all hell. Like, 
Don't take um, it personal, man. Mm-hmm. And, and unless I know you personally and you know I don't like you, don't take it personal. <laughs> and there's and there's yeah. and there's very few. I could count on one. Well, I could I could count on one hand the uh, the amount of people in the scene probably, man, that that have that um, relationship with me, man. I, I I usually don't hold grudges, man. And I'm glad you don't either, John, because that was kind of the situation with you and I. I was supposed to do this with you a, a, a while ago. Uh, luckily, it timed out okay for this documentary and this event you're holding for it and all that sort of thing. So, man, it worked out good. But yeah, don't don't take like I like I was saying before with the we won't we won't bring it up again. But the artist who kind of snubbed you um, in person, you know, <laughs> didn't, never take it personal unless you know for a fact it's personal because you already have bad blood with the person, man. If somebody doesn't know you, then there's no reason to take it personal. Um, no, you know, no, it, it is what no, it is, man. man. And. Um, so on, on that note, uh, John Lambert, Noise Dosage Media. The movie, again, for, just for the listeners, is between exaltation and aggression, an underground extreme death metal documentary film. Uh, you can look for Noise Dosage Media on YouTube if you want to check that out. Uh, like we just said, look for the St. Vitus Bar website um, or wherever they list shows in New York City for this Wednesday, March 15th at St. Vitus. Uh, all ages event, $20, all profits going to charity, the release party, a screening this movie. Uh, I will be there um, uh, in the company of the great John McKenty of Incantation, uh, and we'll be hashing it, uh, tatting it up about um, death metal and, and all sorts of other stuff, man. John, I thank you so much for your time, and the floor is yours now if there's any other uh, shout-outs or, pro- or plugs or promos or anything like that. I got nothing to promote other than thank you so much for uh, having me on. I don't know if you caught the beginning when I said Afterbirth and Artificial Brain are one of my favorite death metal bands and this podcast. So once again, I appreciate you having me on. Uh- Thank you for the compliment, man, and thank you, thank you for your time, man. I, I appreciate it, man. Like, like I say, all I can say is I'm lucky to be here too, John. Appreciate it, brother. recommendos yeah sounds right. good i am too man but first i gotta thank john lambert from noise dosage media you heard all about it just now we talked all about his documentary uh the event coming up the 15th of march that i talked about at the top of the program um that should all be announced by now there's probably a flyer uh heavy whole podcast is, is proud to be part of that man we're just glad to glad to be uh attaching ourselves in some way to that shamelessly um now moving on speaking of shamelessly uh, we're going to be talking now about, we really went there, man. I like how, like when we, when you and me do recommendations, they kind of match up. We shamelessly, um, and I'll say lovingly, uh, yeah. parody, so lovely. parody and, and at times sarcastically talk of the Indonesian brutal death metal scene because it is so overwhelmingly brutal. These bands really do not play around. We've talked, we had all, all episodes, uh, at, towards the beginning of the podcast history with, um, Paulo Paguntalan of Miasmatic Necrosis. And he talked, he had a, a whole section in his ping 
series of podcasts with us where he talked about the Indonesian scene and some of these bands. But um, And we joke around sometimes about the bootlegging. There's memes on the internet if we're being real and all that. But we are going to give the Indonesian scene a little bit of its due tonight and remind you that it's all out of good-natured metalhead uh, ribbing and respect, man, because the Indonesian death metal scene is not to be toyed with. Uh, don't let the memes fool you. Don't forget about where it comes from. Right now, I think... Um, I thought I picked like the. Well, we're not going to compare, but we are oh. going to contrast a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, but you you really took it there, Terrell. So, um, why don't we start off with yours, and 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 then I'll, I'll bring mine up a little bit later. Okay. So yeah, we we're gonna jump down to the island of Java, right? Two things that we love: we love coffee and we love brutal death metal. So Java just rings true to us. Mm. And the band I'm bringing in is Jasad with the album Rebirth Jadisunda. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly and uh these guys are just a sick brutal death metal band um from all the way from 1990 and yeah. I, I caught these guys on youtube a couple years ago um just watching a, an obscene extreme and a bloodstock festival live videos and these guys kind of blew me away um it's that old school early 2000s brutal death metal style um if you love disgorge you'll definitely love the sound but it's um there's a little more uh i'll just say for simplicity's sake uh, clarity to the uh, riffing and that's a little more similar to you know the likes of imperacity your broken hopes and uh suffocation which is you know they a lot of thing with a lot of uh, of the indonesian bands really wear their influences on their sleeve and i and i love that Another thing that really caught my eye with this band is the singer who's super brutal is smoking, well, chain smoking cigarettes the entire time oh. of his performance. It's like, oh. it's usually like sacrilege for singers, I would guess. But uh, I, yeah, apparently that's me. his technique. I'm not, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't smoke cigarettes and I, could, I, I couldn't imagine smoking cigarettes before you do the vocals. No, that's crazy. But I've seen it. Um, yeah, this band is, this is a great album. I did a little research. Uh, you know, I do, uh, like, I want to say, this was a few years ago that we had Paulo Paguntalan on talk, and he did a whole section on Indonesian um, death metal. He, he's a Filipino descent himself, and he did, like, a whole section on different Asian countries and their underground scenes and this sort of thing. And we went we went to Europe and Estonia and all that, man. He, he broke it all down. But um, uh, I did a little research. I think we talked about this band. They go back all the way, like you said, to 1990, first release in 92, but they kind of didn't really pick up steam until the 2000s with, like, steady releases. Um, yeah. The drums on this are heavily triggered. They sound very drum padded, you know, which is a sound. It's something I've talked about on the podcast. I'm not normally a big fan of, but this had a really cool vomit remnants kind of thing going on for it because stylistically, like you said, it had a disgorge, suffocation, brutal style <coughs> that um really works for that really the dr the drums really work for and having kind of been informed myself on vomit remnants um and and you know dying fetus and it, it just it worked it all works to, it comes together as a package and what i like too is that they when you say suffocation and some of the bands you compare them to broken hope they do explore things with a little bit more of a technical flair than i want to say vomit remnants would or certain other bands that or maybe poppy seed grinder we could put in this equation um yeah godless truth uh after their third album um bands that went kind of full in on that dying fetus slam kind of vibe you know th these this release anyway it, it seems like there's a little bit more technicality without jumping into the tech death or prog territory they just kind of elaborate more in their songwriting man there's a lot and maybe that speaks to how long they've been around 
as a band and the experience of the guys writing the songs. So a really cool release, man. I, I also, you, you know, speaking of older episodes of the podcast, we did an episode deep dive in the subgenre Marine years ago. And it was the one where I talked about a bunch of bands that reminded me of Dying Fetus in a way, or like we we did Deathcore yep. and Metalcore, and I talked about a few bands. I talked about Vomit Remnants and Poppy Seed Grinder and Godless Truth. This would fit squarely in there with that sort of thing. Maybe even Prophecy from Texas, if people know what I'm getting at. Um, so so I'll, I'll leave it there, man. Really cool uh, um, release and something cool to start with if you just say, man, this Indonesian brutal death metal scene, there's so many bands. I don't know what it's all about. This is a cool band to start with. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. Like you said, not leaning so much into the heavy groove like Vomit Remnants, but more about the speed side of things. But, you know. And, and another... Not, yeah. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm saying just not complete ping. So, yeah. you know, once again, that balance that we, we like in our death metal. There's a little a little narrative in the songwriting. You know, you feel like yes. you're going for a ride, man. And the, the, the last thing I'll say, too, I, I just wanted to th- throw this in there. Um, lyrically and with the cover art, like, obviously I'm not a very well-educated man. I don't know much about Indonesian culture or history. Um, feel free to correct me if anyone does know, and they'd like to leave a voicemail or email heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. Um, but the cover art and the lyrics kind of speak to maybe a little bit more insight into Indonesian cultural themes and like maybe some sort of, uh, religious tradition or something like that. I, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe they use that as an influence somewhere, um, not just your typical gore or, or Satan theme, which I like too, man. I like it when bands from different parts of the world give you a little bit of their their culture, you know? Yeah, man. Other things can be brutal inside of the obvious. Yeah. Yeah, man. So um, any any final thoughts, Terrell, before we hand it over to Tom? Nah, these guys are sick. Check them out. Hell yeah. Uh, so Jasad uh, from Indone- Indonesia with Rebirth of, I'll say Jadisunda, which I probably mispronounced. Yeah. Um, on Extreme Souls Productions uh, in 2013 that came out. Thank you, Tom. Staying uh, in Indonesia now, I want to talk about Bloody Gore. Um, it's a band that this is like this release. It's it's very special. It's it's funny sometimes. Like if you step outside of what we're doing, you know, love the love of death metal and all that. The Bloody Gore re- uh, release is is very special to me. It's very meaningful to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Man? It's like some people might say that about Three Doors Down or something. But um, stench of your perversions. Their full length from two thousand one. Uh, came out on on Rotravor Records, funny enough. Uh, nice. But but you don't have to hunt that down on eBay or Discogs. There was a compilation of that and their EP that followed this um, on Clandestine Records, I think it's called, in 2012. Maybe that's a little easier to find. Uh, but either way, this Bloody Gore Stench of Your Perversions album is great. Perfect brutal death metal album. Yes, I'll say this. If people are not familiar with this, but maybe are familiar with the second Cenotaph of Turkey album, Cenotaph, uh, the the, the Turkish band Cenotaph, 
uh, Puke to Genital Purulency. I've always paired that album and this Bloody Gore Stench of Your Perversions album in my head because they came out at a similar time. I'm not going to look it up, but I feel like they came out within a few years of one another, and they were constantly in my ears, in my headphones in the early 2000s uh, and, and years since. Great, just... And maybe, you know, I can't keep up with all the ping and all the brutal stuff. There's so much of it going on, man. But these releases drive it home for me, you know. Um, and this bloody, go- there's an atmosphere. Like, it, it, there is a ping quality. There is a total brutal quality. But there's also atmosphere. Um, yeah. It's The drums aren't completely triggered out. Everything's not line sixed out. The vocals aren't monotone. He does tend to, you know, they're, they're monotone enough to be brutal death metal, but he does create a little atmosphere at times. He 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 uses a little, he he uses his voice in different ways at different times, you know. Which you know, nothing wrong with monotone. There's 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 room for that too. But I like that these guys. I felt like the guitar work for the most is low end you know there's not a whole lot of high end static or treble in there there's not a lot of soloing and, and harmony and either this is just low end brutal death metal it borders on gore grind at times but like i said they do interesting things with the rhythms they make it catchy that's where the, it, it reminds me of puke genital purulency by cenotaph it's mm-hmm. very catchy even though it's ping and it's blasty they find rhythms and break it up and almost do break beats within the different blast parts sometimes that will stick in your head for weeks and months um and it's short it's concise it's not a long album it's um it's well produced but it's not sterile it's just it's it's a perfect um like 10 out of 10 brutal death metal album like i said and i don't want to talk it to death the last thing i'll say is that there's so much charm to this the i like the album cover on this better than their follow-up ep which was more of just like a a typical blood and guts thing i'll say whereas the stench of your perversions album it had this kind of um yeah <laughs> hokey looking at that second cover now <laughs> yeah 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 well what's interesting now that i look it up on metal archives metal archives lists the cassette version as the first version which has kind of this weird conan the barbarian cannibal scene thing that looks like <laughs> like a comic book art that's not 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 at all uninteresting but um i'm talking about the cd version i guess i would say that came out uh in 2001 on fetal tampon disease records Famed, oh, of course. Famed, famed, famed. fatal tampon disease. <laughs> but I see now that um, it was reissued on uh, no, no, uh, November 6, 2020 on Rob Sick Records on cassette tape. So there's, this is one of those things that's kind of a cult, cult release. But um, it came out in 2001, uh, you know, and that, that, that was the start of these various licensings of the album. But um, the, the intro... I don't know what movie the intro is from, but it has this cool Mortal Kombat vibe that kind of takes you back to the 90s. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's, it's very, that was interesting. It's random. It's random, but it sets this atmosphere. It, it was just, it takes me back to a time because it's coming off of the 90s. This type of death metal was still kind of revolutionary. People didn't think people didn't think you were going to be able to push death metal past uh, Effigy of the Forgotten. And maybe they haven't. I'm not going to go down that road. But all I'm saying is in terms of tempo and monotonous, you know, brutal, monotonous vocals and da-da-da-da-da. Like people, you know, and, and this was, you know, it was still very interesting. You know, again, like in Cenotaph, 
their, that the album I'm comparing this to by Cenotaph was their second album, um, Puke Genital Purulency. The first Cenotaph album was a little bit more of a traditional technical death metal style, and Cenotaph turned it up on that second album. So I'm just making the, like this type of death metal when this came out was a new thing. It was a little more revolutionary and shocking to people. So again... I really feel like uh, good teamwork, Terrell. If people are confused on this whole Indonesian brutal death metal thing, um, I want to. I want they. They want to push past the memes. They want to push past the jokes about bootleg T-shirts and get to the roots of a rich, uh, hardworking death metal community. I think Bloody Gore and Jasad are two great bands to start with. If I, if you think I'm wrong, or if you have more to add, that leave a voicemail or heavyholepodcast at gmail dot com. Um, and with that, any final thoughts, Terrell? Nah, dude, you you captured that perfectly. I didn't even think about the Cenotaph comparison, but that makes perfect sense. But the second album, before Cenotaph even got crazier and more technical, yeah, it yeah. it you you kind of beat me with this with this pick because it hits all the right spots, even with the weird kind of check late nineties, yeah, you know, yeah, odd feel intro and everything. And yeah, like you said, the yeah. the riffing there's there is those little flourishes that kind of come out of nowhere, and you get like these little wormed parts. It's it's awesome, man. I've yeah. never heard of these guys. It's, it's a really cool find. This is I like that you bring up wormed. This is kind of like pre wormed, mm-hmm. pre yeah pre wormed pre defeated sanity. You know what I mean? This is yep. this, the style. Yep. Like yeah, even though you know even though defeated sanity was around at the t- I, I guess you could say pre wormed. Yeah, but regardless, man. Um, uh, we'll, we'll bring it in now, man, not to talk it to death, man. Bloody gore, stench of your perversions from 2001. Thank you, Tom. man so um coming back now to uh the tri-state area um on our journey uh, journey from indonesia where they they most likely don't sell clothes that fit me um i had that experience of course when i visited my cousin's family in costa rica man a a 2x or a 3x in the stores down there it's it's, It's very different (laughs) yeah yeah it fit my cat maybe but listen um uh not not for me man i don't know what my cat's eating either but uh one thing, man, if you need something to eat, Interfaith Retreats is a charity that provides food for people in the New York City area. Uh, and all proceeds from Wednesday, March 15th at the St. Vitus Bar are going to go to benefit that. That's an all-ages event. It's the release party for the documentary film we just discussed with John Lambert. Um, John McKinty from uh, Incantation is going to be there. Uh, I'll be there kind of co-hosting and emceeing a little bit. We're going to try to get the best out of, out of John for his his stories and, and give people a little chance for a Q&A and all that sort of thing, man. We're setting it up now. It all, the, the credit all goes to John. He just talked about it. Uh, Terrell, I thank you for joining me um, this evening uh, and bringing Jasad to our attention. And we have, Terrell, I'm going to be seeing you relatively soon because we got to rehearse soon because there's a show coming up. Um, let's talk about it. The, at the, before all this March stuff at, at St. Vitus Bar, you can go down to St. Vitus Bar February the 10th for um, Thantafaxith. That's how you pronounce it, right? That, that's how I say it. I have Th- no idea how to Thantafaxith. say it. Thantafaxith. <laughs> Thantafaxith and um, Horrendous 
Rare live appearance back again. Glad to see those guys. And um, we're with Reeking Aura. We're lucky enough to be on the bill, man. Looking forward to that. We got some. We got Rick has a box of T-shirts that, that we haven't even opened yet. He's ready to hock them, bad boys. Yeah, all sizes. All right. So, um, we got that. We got uh, uh, we got we got the record. Yeah, we got the cassettes, the records, the CD. We're good to go, man. So we're gonna be out there. We got. Did we did we book any other shows yet? No, we're working on something for the summer. We're not gonna talk about it yet. No, 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 no. no we're not. No. We can't, can't even mention the bands. But it's two bands that have been on this podcast before. Uh, big dogs. So we're, we're we're hoping that that works out, man. Hopefully, I didn't ruin it just now. But February the twenty first, um, exsanguinated at the Meadows in Brooklyn. Exsanguinated. Uh, we're going to be very fortunate to be there with coronary thrombosis, um, with uh, internal bleeding, uh, vomit forth, and always got to throw torturous? it off. Yeah, torturous inception, man. Not to not to count them out. That's good. I'm friends with them, so I could I could forget them for a minute, man. They, they'll just bust Dang. my balls. Yeah, <laughs> shout to them. I want to get Dustin back on, dude. That was oh when, man when Dustin was we were hanging out, man. After that data show, yeah, yeah. The 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 there might come a day where the heavy hole podcast has to just be me doing shrooms with Dustin from Torturous Inception for like four hours. So I, I'm not yeah, promising yeah. anything. I'm not might be the final episode one day, but um, I want to get Dustin back on. Man, shout out to Torturous Inception, man. And and of course, speaking of back on, uh, Tyler is back in the band. Uh, they're they're they're. Classic golden era singer, I should say, I guess. So we're looking forward to that, the, the 21st of February with Exsanguinated, um, participating in this beautiful death metal event at the Meadows in Brooklyn, uh, Vomit Forth and Internal Bleeding, big dogs in the game. Um, and uh, Exsanguinated, we're also, we, we just booked something in um, April. Uh, let, let me get to, let me get down to business with this right quick, man. What was this? It's on, uh, if you, you can check out Exsanguinated on Instagram. We don't have a Facebook page. Did you know that? Well, were you too young or something? Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's definitely not. I'm definitely not too young. I've, I think, like, yeah, it's it's one of those things, man. It's great. It's cool, man. I'm like, uh, nah, I respect it. I respect it. Well, you know, I, my idol Jeff Tate is in a band now with all guys that are in their 20s. I don't know if you follow Jeff Tate on IG. <laughs> I, I don't is know. Is it Queen, Queen Strike AD or something? No, that that would be kind of cool, actually. Unfortunately, it's Operation Mind Crime as the band name, oh, which yeah. I've never kind of I I get it, but I kind of don't like. Queensrÿche AD would be sick. I kind of would like that. They're coming back around, by the way. Not not <laughs> Jeff Tate, but uh, Queensrÿche Queensrÿche headlining. Yeah, yeah. Got I my, think it's the Paramount. So. Yeah, got my ticket already. Got my ticket. Oh, already. there yes. we go. Hold on a second. Let's <laughs> let me. Yeah, uh, event ticket added to wallet one one seventeen. I, oh, I okay. Yeah, we're, we're stunning on me. All right, all right. Yeah, stunning on him. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. It's downtown Huntington, man. It's uh, it's gonna be like say like five minutes away from me. It's beautiful, beautiful, great, a great time. Speaking of shrooms, but um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, April twenty third, two thousand twenty three. You got the old not one truth from New Jersey. Uh, exsanguinated. Very happy to be part of that event. Morbid deity shout to them erode um and i hope i say this right melabolgia uh from long island um uh, malabolgia we're, we're gonna talk to them eventually man that's a brand new band malabolgia watch out from them long island caveman shit um great in line with what all the kids are doing so watch out for that that's gonna be at the old amityville music hall love that place so that's uh Sunday, April 23rd for the kids 6 30 p.m 15 bucks um that's the three shows i got to talk about Right now, anything coming up with you, man? Not just a reeking show. Nothing else scheduled for Datus. Um, 
hopefully we can get something done in in the spring, a cool show or something. Last but, time uh, I last time I had you we'll on, see. you were talking about playing the rooftop. How'd that go? Oh yeah, no that that would that was great. That's where I was hanging out with Dustin and yeah, chilling. Uh, but I would love to play that again. I think Reeking should play that spot. I, I was called Our Wicked Lady. Was up it in Greenpoint? Was it too cold for your fingers to play guitars? No, I was blessed. I was heated. I was pampered. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was good. I was good. All right. All right. They paid somebody to breathe on your hands while you played guitars. Yes. Jesus. It was Sal. Oh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. Yeah, it smelled like scotch and Newports. Oh, Oof. God. Oh, yeah, that'll be the last episode. When I, when, Smells oh, like Brooklyn. <sighs> Boy. Well, we thank you for, for journeying with us thus far. We thank John Lambert for all of his hard work and dedication to the scene and capturing that and documenting that. Uh, it was nice talk, talking. We we had some equal ground, I think. We had some well, some some uh, some some common ground, I think. You know that we were we were talking about just in terms of doing the podcast and him doing the movie and that sort of thing. And he does his own podcast, so I, I encourage people to check out all of his content and to check out that movie. It's about three hours long, this documentary film, but it's worth it. You might want to take it in a couple of different uh, segments. Um, heavyholdpodcast at gmail.com or the uh, phone number should be there if you want to leave a voicemail in the description wherever you're listening to this. We're on Patreon for some bonus content. I got to get some of those. I was talking about stuff we've recorded and never released. We're going to get into putting some of that on Patreon. Um, uh, what else? Anything else, man? Go to the shows, support the bands, uh, leave us voicemails about anything you want, man. We'll, we might put it on if it's not like too wild or whatever, man. Terrell, anything you have to plug or promote or parting thoughts? Nah, support local death metal. Support Indonesian death metal. Yeah, I think they would probably treat Fadus and Afterbirth well if we ever found a way to get it out there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I, well, I'm contemplating. Um, like, well, I can't say. I, I was gonna. T- I was gonna talk about my buddies in Gray Skies Fallen, but I can't say anything yet. All I want to say is Ooh. big, big look. Uh, looking forward to that new album that they've been working on. Man, I heard things. I heard things. We'll we'll wait. I'm not gonna not gonna spill any beans over there, but I heard I heard that album's gonna be doing some big things. So um, that I'll I'll I'll, I'll cut cut the crap on that one, man. But Terrell, you know you are right. I'm looking out my window. I feel like normally this would be snow. It's a little sad for me. I love playing in the snow. Grew up on Long Island here, man. And now I'm like gonna be uh, outside. I'll just be outside holding a shovel, like looking at the rain, and I'll be wearing and one. <laughs> <laughs>